0: morning, everybody. It's Endurance Day, and I am Glenda Geek with, from Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 13th, episode 1716. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's
3: on Sunday... And it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider.
1: Me Let me ride through the wide open country that I love, but don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the
0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning, Endurance Day. We appreciate you being here. And of course, Karen is with us the second Tuesday of every month for like the last five years. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're in full season, aren't we, Karen? Endurance riders riding all over the place.
2: They are. They're riding coast to coast.
0: (laughs) Pretty much. And we have some probably doing that, too. (laughs) So. (laughs) uh, So, Jennifer, what is coming up on today's show? Coming up
3: on this monthly endurance episode, we're going to start out with a tip. Karen is going to explain one of the many horse-inspired acronyms in our lives. This time it's going to be CRI. She's going to explain what it is and why you should understand it. Next up, Dr. Miro is going to stop by with the AERC microchip program. You're going to want to know about that. And Phyllis Keller is going to stop by with an update on how her ride across the Pacific Coast Trail is going. So
0: stay tuned for the ride, folks. I'm anxious to hear from her. I haven't I haven't heard anything. So I'm excited to hear what's going on with her on the Pacific Trail. Uh, now, you have been out and about, haven't you?
2: Yes, we've been riding. La- uh, well, it's been, gosh, two, three weeks now. We did the high desert ride out in Fallon. And I rode Chief. And my 10-year-old junior rode Bow. It was this junior's Uh, First time riding bow on a 50, and um, it was a a long, tough desert ride, lots of climbing, uh, fun trail, a lot of lizards, millions of lizards everywhere. One rattlesnake, we were trotting along down the wash, and there it was, just rattling away at us. (laughs) And, you know, we weren't going to go near it, but if it had kept quiet, we would have never even known it was there.
0: Wow. And so did, did <laughs> your horse is obviously a rattlesnake proof at this point.
2: Well, not, I, you know, not really, because from there to all the way to the rest of the way in to the finish, Chief was looking, seriously looking he was at on the alert. ground. <laughs> he was on snake <laughs> alert. He really was. It's sort of funny that you could really tell the difference. He was he was watching. Now, where, he, where he, is you know. the
0: high desert ride? Is that a Nevada ride?
2: Yes, it's in Nevada, out in Fallon. Now, when we say desert,
0: we think 115 during the day.
2: Right. It was about 85 degrees that day, uh, which was a lot warmer than we've been used to. Yesterday, it was 51 degrees here. So we've just had this roller coaster ride of different weather changes all year. And I've heard from many different friends that there's a lot of colics going on all over in the region with horses so we're all being a little bit on edge because of all the the weather changes and and stuff like that so um yeah just taking it easy and and um you know keeping a close eye on the horses and so far mine are both doing okay so I hope everybody else's that are that are experiencing a little bit of that issue there all come through it okay
0: now, you have a ride coming up this weekend, right?
2: I do. The Wild West Ride, which is out off of... Um, it's in kind of, I guess I could call it Tevis country. It's a little bit further, I guess, west and and north of Tavis off of Highway 20 at the Skillman Campground. Uh, They do a really great job. It's a pioneer ride, three days and 155 miles, and they offer limited distance each day. And they make it a really fun ride. They have a campfire every night and live music, and they feed us, and uh, everybody goes and has a really good time. We're camped in the pine trees at a little higher elevation, so it's a nice, fun ride with a lot of fun people.
0: Sounds bucolic. Yes. Yeah. I
2: told the junior, I said, "Wait till you get to the next ride. There's single track trails in the trees and you're going to love it."
0: Yeah. It's hard to be in the wide open sand pit. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: you know that. I know it's it sounds like when you say desert, you are I know what you're thinking. You're <laughs> thinking you, you know some of the scenes from uh, Hidalgo. It's not like that. <laughs> no, it's
0: it's high desert, right? No.
2: Yes, yeah, so it's yeah. high desert. We have real mountains here and a lot of climbing. Um there's a lot of rocks, uh, but it's also very beautiful in its own way.
0: Well, now, uh, they also did some riding on the East Coast. We had one of the riders on yesterday who's doing the Mongol Derby with, with Leslie here coming up shortly, and she had ridden on the East Coast this weekend, right? They had a big right the old,
2: the old Dominion, that was, that's the Big 100 on the East Coast. And actually, yeah, that's sort of cool. I heard about uh, the writer that's gonna go do the Mongol Derby that rode the old Dominion last week. And that's cool. Um but two teenagers won the hundred. Really? Annie um, two uh Annie Whelan and Bryn Stevenson Whelan. they tied for first place. Wow so they came in the exact same time side by
0: yes, they side? came in
2: together. I'm sure they probably rode together. They
0: planned
2: it, um, yeah. yeah so that's a lot of fun. And uh Annie has been on the show before is one of the young writers that we interviewed. And another guest that we had on, Claire Godwin, who's a veterinarian, she completed the hundred, and another writer rode with her on her 26-year-old horse, Mercury, and they tied for 10th place wow. on the hundred. And that horse did Tevis a couple years ago. So it's wow. still out there competing at 26 years of age, doing hundreds, which is
0: pretty awesome. I it, think. I assume it was an Arab. I think so. Yeah, the irons I, tend to go a little longer, don't they?
2: great. I mean, I'm still riding Chief. He's 22. Yeah, they, and he, they do. And, you know, he's a little spunk monster still. A couple weeks ago, uh, it had rained and dried out, and he still thought that there was mud, even though there was no mud. And he, like, spun a full circle on me. I, I'm i like, <laughs> horse, you're 22 years old. You shouldn't be acting this way, you know? So it's neat to see these old endurance horses. They still got it, you know? So um, what? Well,
0: yeah, what were the statistics like uh, for for old? Let me Dominic. do a
2: rundown uh, on the hundred. There had there were forty two riders and twenty six completed for a sixty two percent completion rate. On the fifty miler, forty two started, twenty eight completed for sixty seven percent. And on the 25, 40—wow—they 40, had 42 in each distance with 33 completions and 79% completion rate. So it's interesting. You can see for the same number of starts in each distance, it went from 62% on the 100, all the way up to 79% on the 25. What
0: you would expect, right? I mean, you would expect yes, this?
2: yeah, yes. The longer the distance, you know, the more chance of hitting that rock with your name on it or or something happening to to create an issue to to unfortunately get pulled because that's not something i saw a couple of my friends ended up getting pulled near the very end after they had gone like you know 90 miles
0: oh that must <laughs> suck
2: <laughs> it's a long training ride
0: <laughs> <laughs> that has to really suck now is this one in virginia is old dominion in virginia
2: i, I believe it is yeah. yes and it's a one of their long time have popular- you ever
0: had a desire to come east and do the east coast rides
2: you know, not really. Maybe someday when we're both retired and have more time to travel and stuff. But by then, I'm going to have to start some new horses. So, I, you know, I'd, although, you know, if there's a 26-year-old still doing it, then maybe I...
0: <laughs> well, you know, the time start to start their, that new horse is now. It's time to go shopping. <laughs>
2: yeah. I know, but I love riding mine. They're, you know, it's nice to have these well-broke horses, you know, that won't spook you off when you see a snake.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, you or, know, you got to get that zoo and started. I know, I know. You know, that's just a good excuse to go shopping,
2: <laughs> You know, I kind of enjoy just having the two horses. A lot of my friends are horse hoarders, you know. They've got... Yeah.
0: Multiple
2: horses and uh, yeah, it really adds up, and yeah, it's a lot of work. You can you know? add
0: one more without the work doubling. We always say that once you, you're you up to you're good up to three, it's when you hit four that the work doubles.
2: Oh, is that how yeah. it is? I and don't then know. when you hit
0: I... seven, it doubles again, and then when you hit oh 13, gosh. it doubles again. And so, no. yeah, so you're good. You can take it one more. I, 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 even... I have you have my permission.
2: Okay, yeah, well, I don't have my husband. So. <laughs>
0: You can tell him I said it's okay.
2: Oh, okay. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> He'll love that. So uh, now we have Tevis coming up. I saw that uh, a couple of the endurance riders were heading from a ride in the Midwest out to California to start training out there already. And boy, it's been an interesting year out there. Tell us, tell us what the what it the what is. they said. <clears throat>
2: Right, we have the ride director's message that they just put out a week ago. Uh, they're moving the start of the ride. It's not going to start at the traditional site that it's been starting at, at Roby Park. They're moving it to the Sheep Pins and Van Noreen Meadows and Soda Springs. And it said that's, dictated from the snow levels through the granite chief wilderness and so they're not going to be able to go up over squaw or go through that area which is a pretty highly technical area Um, they're going to start at soda springs and then i believe it takes the riders up mostly a road into lion ridge and from that point they're going to ride the traditional trail all the way to francisco's and then once they get into francisco's there probably will be some more changes just based on the fact that they may not be able to do the river crossing it might be a little bit high this year well, and yeah, also that's some the
0: thing when you have uh, snow that lasts as long as your rivers are going to oh. be way up for longer
2: right and this much snowpack yeah. and and so they're talking about different ways to get across and how they're going to do it so it's still kind of a little bit up in the air uh you know, uh, is this the first have...
0: time in a long time that the snow's been this kind of an issue?
2: No, I believe that they moved the start to Soda Springs back in like 1983, and but, that was the I mean, last we're talking,
0: time. So, so just so everybody understands this, this ride isn't until August, right? Uh, yeah. So, but they are expecting the snow in the Sierras. I know the hikers that are well, we'll talk about that a little bit later too. the hike in the PCT, they have to, they're having to go around or get really serious snow equipment. <laughs>
2: So. They are, you know, and um, like Squaw Valley is planning on staying open for like most of July.
0: <laughs> One of our hosts just got married over the weekend and she, she, I forget what resort she was at, but there was, it snowed on them. <laughs> so. It was snowing up
2: over the mountains yesterday. There were chain requirements on I-80. That's (laughs) Like a day ago. It's June. (laughs) I know. My husband calls me yesterday and he says, welcome to January. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And those of us that are at
0: 96 every day in the rain, you know, we're we're all here going, it's snowing?
2: (laughs) I know. We had turned the heat off in our house and I'm like, gosh, it's cold in here. And I went over and it was like 51 degrees.
0: (laughs) I'm going to like, Arizona okay. this weekend, and it's going to be 115.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: So, wow. there we go. So, That's now, crazy. what, so is this something that you, I mean, if you've obviously started from the same spot in a long, for, you know, for a long time. So, some of these riders that have done this multiple times will, ha, will kind of have a new view.
2: Well, they will, and it. From what they're telling us, it's going to be a lot less technical of a ride. Some of the sections will have a little less climbing, so this might be uh, one of the better years to actually do Tabas. Are you
0: doing
2: it? I, you know, I'm not going to decide yet. <laughs> you
0: did it the last two years, right?
2: I, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and and actually, I have a, a new award that the Western States Trail has just announced yeah. called the Wendell Roby Trophy. And it goes to all horses that have completed the Tevis five times or more. And so that includes my horse, Bo. Yay! which is kind of a cool thing. And um, I asked and they thought there was somewhere probably between 20 and 30 horses that have done that. They're still accumulating the numbers uh, from the historical records and stuff. So uh, hopefully maybe on the next show or the one after that, we'll be able to give a final tally of how many horses are going to receive that recognition for, for completing that ride. Jennifer, we can
0: barely hear you. You need to. Crank up your sorry, room.
2: sorry, I was turned down. So everybody, everybody
3: who's, who qualifies gets an award versus only one a year. Okay, now I get it.
2: Well, you have to complete, right. and then of course you get your bucket. Right. that's that's the you know the right. big goal. Most people, I thought it was, I thought it was a case of
3: every year all the horses go into a pile and somebody got voted to win the award, but if no. you've done it five times, you get the award.
2: Right. Yes. As long as the horse is completed at five times and it can be with any number of riders. Um, I was fortunate. I've been able to ride Bo five times myself, which is awesome because he's only started at five times. And so that that's to me, that's a really kind of a cool thing. Um, and, and like we were just talking about the trail changes that's one of the concerns I have is if I take this horse that knows the trail <laughs> and what's he going to be thinking when I'm taking him a different way in the dark now? <laughs> He's going to be like, "No, this ain't the right way, mom. I know the way to Auburn and this isn't it."
0: That <laughs> <Now>, is <laughs> the so, rock. Is the rock with all the infamous pictures they're taking every year is that still included?
2: Um, god, I'm trying to remember if it's before or after Lion Ridge.
0: What's it called again? Uh, uh, the Cougar Rock. Cougar Rock, yes. I think I it, read in the f- comments that Cougar Rock was still going to be included.
2: I think so. Yeah. I think it's after after that. Heck, that's a
0: picture everybody wants every year, right?
2: It uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And then from most of that, rest of the way, so it will. The ride will will be less technical, especially if you're not going through the Granite Chief, which, which is all single track. And uh, you know, a lot of boulders to hop over, and it's all up and down. And of course, you've got that long climb all the way up over Squaw, which you know, is.
0: It's interesting too good. because one of the let me read one of the paragraphs. Uh, Riders are cautioned not to pre ride the the Clementine Trail. That's what the new trail. As parts of the tra- that trail are open to mountain bikers and hikers only. So they said it's the first time in 63 years that r- riders will be allowed on that trail. They're going to close it to the mountain bikers and hikers that for for the day you guys are going through.
2: Wow. Wow.
0: So that's you know they they're really having to scramble this year to make this happen.
2: Yes, it's going to be a lot of work, and and I know a lot of the trail, they're going to have deadfall to clear, and, you know, the snow hasn't melted yet, so it's still kind of a waiting game, I'm sure, for some of the sections, but they're really working hard on it to to pull now, the, the ride off.
0: The one big and, river crossing has the new bridge. Is there any other river crossings that you have to go through the rivers?
2: Uh. There, you know, depending on where the reroute goes, there might be some water crossings. Like in Granite Chief, there were usually a few little creeks that trickled through that you would go over, but nothing significant, nothing okay. like the one big river crossing. And uh, and usually they would kind of divert or hold back the water for the day uh, to help lower the the level to make it a little safer. And they would always mark it with glow bars floating across the river, so you would know exactly the Best place to cross? Oh, really?
0: Mm-hmm. I say put globe bars on strings and do it that way. So you have your uh-huh. little shoot.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's sort of cool to you know for a horse to be crossing a river where the water comes up over your stirrups. In the middle of the night with glow bars floating all around oh, That doesn't
0: sound dangerous at all. No. <laughs>
2: you know, by the time you're at that point, though, uh, you horse know, I care. you probably. <laughs> yeah, the horses are not going to care. That sounds more like a scene from Avatar
3: than Yeah, you know. it does. <laughs> I know.
2: And they've had, like, I know one year there was a mule that refused to cross. They got that far in the ride and couldn't get the mule across.
0: All right. Well, let's do your en- <laughs> so, okay. let's do your endurance tip before we I run know. out of time.
2: Yes. My endurance tip today is about what a CRI is. And a CRI is the Cardiac Recovery Index, which was originally developed by the late Dr. Carrie Ridgway. And what it does is it measures your starting pulse on your horse, followed by a second pulse after a trot out of 125 feet. So if your horse's pulse stays the same or drops, that's a good sign. That means that metabolically, or at least cardiovascularly, the horse is... Uh, Keeping up with the job you're asking him to do that day, if the pulse goes up and spikes, then and you're at a ride, the, the vet usually will ask you to recheck depending on what the other parameters are on the horse. Uh, you know, uh, if it goes from say 60 to 80, then that's kind of going to alert them to keep an eye on the horse and they're going to want to recheck it. And of course you're going to want to recheck your horse and make sure that everything is okay. So I'm going to explain how to do a CRI because this is a, um, a good tool to know just for anybody, whether you're, um, riding trail or any other competitive events, um, It's just a good idea to know and to maybe practice doing it. Do it at home, even when your horse hasn't been worked, so you kind of have a baseline and you know what to expect of your horse, and do it after a workout. It's also a good experience for your horse to learn to do a little bit more practice trotting out and for you to get more familiar with the stethoscope if if you're not already. So the first thing you do is you get a stethoscope and you measure out your trot out. Area that should be 125 feet. At the end, you can put a cone or a bucket to mark it so that you know how far it is. Then you take your horse's pulse. Uh,
0: Where do you do it, Carrot?
2: Checking the pulse on the side. Okay. Usually, just in the girth area on the left side of the horse, and uh, so. Then you check your horse's pulse and you're going to want to use a watch or a timer that counts down to seconds because the next part is critical. You have 60 seconds from when you take your first pulse to do the trot out and back and then take the second pulse. And so, you, you know, you might have somebody help you the first couple times if you're not really you know, ready to be doing this on your own. Um, So you take your horse's pulse, you trot out and back 125 feet and stop. Then you watch the clock from the, from when you first started the trot out and you make sure it goes to a full 60 seconds. Then you take your horse's pulse again. And then you see what those two numbers are. Hopefully they're the same or else the second number will drop a little bit and it like in the West region, many of the vets here will take a CRI at pretty much every check. Um, they get your starting pulse. Then when, the, uh, when you come back with your horse, they check the gums and the hydration. And by the time they do all that, it's been 60 seconds. And then they take the second pulse. And that uh, usually, in most cases, you want your horse to be staying like the same, whether it's 56-56 or 48-48, but you, you know, you're going to be a little bit concerned if it goes from, you know, forty eight to seventy two or something like that. Is so there it's just a, little a good
0: leeway, like uh, with speeding tickets. So if it's forty eight, do they give you five? You can go up to fifty some, and they're they're not too concerned, or
2: uh, you know, not really. I don't think it really matters what the you know, like if your horse has a low rate, I think what matters no, no, more No,
0: but I mean, do they give you a little leeway? So if it is a little bit higher when you get back, is there a little leeway? Or if it's just higher period, then it's a problem. Right.
2: I, I don't believe it's like it's like you should not get pulled just because your cri goes up four beats or something right, like that right. it would it would be then the vet would be checking other parameters to see how things are or what they do is they say you know go take your you know your hour hold or 45 minute hold let your horse eat and rest and come back and then they'll do it again and then by then, usually the horse will um, return to a, a normal or a better CRI, and then they're allowed to continue. In certain conditions, if it's really hot and humid, you know, going up probably four beats isn't going to concern a, whor- a, a vet, but if it goes up, you know, eight or 12, then they're going to be a little bit more concerned. And, and of course, it's going to depend on the conditions, the weather conditions, and then of course, the ride itself, the difficulty, the vet, um, and of course, how your horse is looking with all the other parameters as well. Because hmm. you never know; someone could walk by with a parrot on their shoulder, right? And and your horse's <laughs> pulse goes up to eighty. It has nothing to do with right. <laughs> with his fitness,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or he hasn't gotten his favorite treat yet, or you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, what, there are a lot of things that make horses mad and raise their blood pressure,
2: right? Or their buddy walks off and leaves them. Yes. you know they. Have, All, you know, that's the thing with horses is you have to take each one of these things as a part of a puzzle and, you know, put it together. There's, you know, and to look at the whole picture, not just one thing.
0: Very good. Well, we're going to take a break here. We're going to talk a little bit about. Bits with Distance Depot this, uh, this time. And then we're coming back and we're going to, we haven't talked for a long time about, about microchipping your horse and what, what's involved in that. And I know we have a lot of new listeners. So uh, we're going to get into talking a little bit about that and a very inexpensive way that you can get all of that done coming up in just a minute. But first, we have to head over to Distance Depot and talk about Mylar Bits.
4: Good morning, Kristen. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great, Karen. Nice to nice to be here today.
4: So I understand you're now carrying a new line of horse bits.
3: Yes, we are now an authorized dealer of the Myler bits. Um, how they're, how they're exciting! Pretty, I love Mylers. Do you? Yeah, they are pretty pretty exciting. Um, they have unique designs that help your horses relax and become more responsive. Um, and, and the Milers have done this through a simple yet powerful concept that's based on the anatomy of your horse. So they're designed to relieve tongue pressure and allow your horse to relax and therefore respond to your requests through the bit. Um, the Milers explain that many horses resist due to the tongue pressure, um,
1: mm-hmm. that the
3: bit creates. So if you're a rider, um, I happen to be a rider that enjoys the communication with my horse. And if you're one of those riders, then these bits could be for you. I also think that if your horse, you're one of those riders that has a horse that might root or pull on you, um, during your training, these bits could also be for your horse. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible the difference that you can see.
4: It is nice. I switched my highest mileage horse. I had rode him for thousands of miles in a miler Kimberwick, and then I switched him to the Myler combo bit with the same mouthpiece, actually, and what a difference it made! It, it, he stopped pulling. He started dropping his head better, listening better, and I wasn't having to fight him. It made just a huge difference, and and so I've been using that Myler combo bit on him ever since, and it's been several years now, and I'm more than happy with it. They work so good on on our endurance horses.
3: Yeah and the you know these bits aren't inexpensive but they're definitely well worth every dollar from what I've seen I have a horse that will hang his tongue out he came that way to me
4: mm-hmm.
3: um just is very he's very mouthy anyway but um I'll, he has stopped a lot of that behavior um just in the short time that I've been riding him in a miler so it's really fun to see the change
4: um so tell us a little bit about the different sizes and the variety that you have.
3: Yeah, well, we actually stock some of the top one hundred best selling miler bits. Um of course there are so many of them out there. Um they come in sizes I think three and a half to six for the mouth um width. So they come quite small and then of course for the larger horses they you know offer the size six. Um they have different cheeks, um, different independent um, side movement, um, wh- which allows you t- your your cues to be more consistent and clear to the horse. The m- mouthpieces are all curved. Um, and some of these bits have hooks, which are slots that your rein would go into. So instead of your rein sliding on a D-bit or on an O-ring, if you will, um, they have mm-hmm. an area that your rein actually fixes into which is um a really nice feature for a horse that needs um a, a little more <laughs> clear um response you know uh, cue from you so just some really nice um features on these bits and they're um right. the english bits are all made with stainless steel and copper inlay in the mouthpieces, and the western and the combo bits um the three ring combination bits those are really cool bits too if People don't know about them. They should check those out. Um, you're able to work off of nose pressure and pole pressure as well as um, include the bit all in one all in one unit, which is a pretty nice thing. I think didn't you say you ride in one?
4: Right 20. on both yeah. of my horses, and, okay. and the nice thing is that you can adjust where you want the pressure to be applied most or first. Like in my case, I have mine attached the reins attached so that it engages the nose pressure first before the bit and that seems to work they they're very comfortable in it and they do really well they eat and drink super well in it and um yeah that's all i have i have a um you know a barn full of mylar bits <laughs> right. <laughs> they're my
3: favorite <laughs> that's good they they it can be a little, little daunting to try to figure out which one to select but we also offer their book which comes with a free dvd it's called the level best for your horse and Great. it basically has um descriptions of you know all the mouthpieces the cheek pieces and 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 the levels, because each bit is sold level 1, level 2, level 2, 3, and level 3. So as far as where your horse is in his training, you would select that level. So lots of great information in that book, um, and it is on our website too.
4: Okay. And what's your website address again? It is thedistancedepot.com,
3: and all of the bits are under the tag section, and it will say, what does it say? <laughs> um where is it? It says Bits, Hackamores, and Mylar Products, and if you click on that, that will take you to all of the Mylar Bits.
4: Okay, great. And do you sell uh, like the replacement straps on the combos?
3: We do, yes. We have a leather curb oh, good. strap kit and also the beta curb strap kit, and if there are other accessories that you're needing, let us know, and I'm sure we can get those in very quickly for you, too. Perfect. What's your phone number? It's toll-free, 866-863-2349.
4: Well, thank you, Kristen, for joining us. Loved hearing about the new bits that you have, the new milers.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Well, that was, uh, we're, we're glad that she's still with us. They've been doing that segment with us now for, for many, many years. And now we're going to switch gears a little bit and we're going to talk about uh, making sure that you can find your horse if, if your horse ever disappears. Dumps you on a trail and, and decides to leave town. That happens a lot or, you know, just goes missing out of the paddock. We've had, we have had a few nights when we had our big farm uh, when we would be woken up at 3 in the morning with banging on the door saying, Are those your horses in the road? We had that happen just maybe once or twice. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how to make sure they can tell it's your horse. Uh, yes. And, and your guest is ready.
2: Uh, Yes, and welcome to the show. Uh, We have Dr. Jay Mero this morning, who's the head of the AERC Veterinary Committee and an endurance rider herself, and she's going to tell us about this new microchip program that's a partnership with the AERC that offers a really great value for those wanting to microchip their horses. So, welcome and good morning, Jay. How are you, Dr. Mero?
3: Good morning. I'm well,
2: thank you. Okay, well, tell us a little bit about this program.
5: Um. Let's see. The microchip people, uh, I, I believe, actually reached out to us. We had I had been asked to write an article on microchipping horses uh, because uh, let's let's start from the beginning. Years ago, we had uh, multiple chip chip sort of issues with different readers and different chips, and as the years went by and the dust finally settled, and the international community. And registries. Everybody is all now settled down on one universal chip, and so it'll be far easier now to uh, have sort of a universal coding for microchips. And the um, microchip company. There are multiple companies, and I, I guess we should say they're all just as just as good. A microchip is a small computer chip. In, bedded in your horse's neck look, nuchal ligament with uh, it's very small. Now the microchip people, they have the standard chip, which is, oh, half inch or so. And then the, um, these newer mini microchips that you can use. So for example, a veterinarian like myself, who works predominantly on horses, but little bits of dog work, you can order one chip that can work for both. And um, so they have a mini chip and it gets embedded in the nuchal ligament and then they, the owner, We give the owner this card, and this is a permanent number. And I, and I have to admit, I do feel that this is, I have seen some of the chatter on Facebook and have been, been a veterinarian for 25 years. I do feel this is superior to the tattoos and both the freeze brands. So thoroughbreds, racehorses get lip tattoos, and they're stellar for a long time until they start to fade. And absolutely, the freeze brands, particularly on the mustangs and the arabs, i mean they look great for and the standard breads. they look great for a long time, and then you can't read them again. so a microchip is pretty much in there, and I believe you can attest to that for the life of the animal and i i don't I don't know that I can think of a scenario where it didn't didn't read there's a scanner run down the neck and the and the permanent number.
2: Right. We up. just so scanned my mic- horse after 16 years and his chip is still good. Exactly right where they put there it. Is his chip. Mm-hmm.
5: Yep. Yep. So I guess there, I don't do any small amount work, but um, for us, there's really no, there's no drawback to putting a microchip in a horse. It's very safe. There's really, they don't get, you know, not again, haven't ever heard of an infection and they don't move. And we all veterinarians seem to put them again in the same sort of universal place. We put them Kind of just below the main left side of the neck halfway down and and you embed the chip, and um there you go, and you're off and running, and we uh, you, this procedure is you scan the chip before you put it in just to make sure it's working. You put it in, you scan the neck again, okay, there it is it's it's working, and then we give the owners these cards, and they then um pay a small fee, I believe for two things: one, the microchip itself, I believe has a a registry or um, they are the ones pushing forward this sort of nationwide EquiChip sort of centralized registry. And what I tell my owners is do some web searching and just put your number in everywhere, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> everywhere, because who knows where you might be traveling and who knows what um, agency might have your, your number. And the only way this system will really work ideal for everyone is for more and more and more use, more people that ship horses and more uh, use being made. And um, now that I did look it up, the, the uh, EquiChip ID program, that one is free. So if they put their number in and that one will accept 16-year-old chips, 10-year-old chips, it'll accept any number. So again, the idea is to get the database right. up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some people have asked that, for example, I'm, I'm the county vet for my area. We live in a wild land fire area. So we People said, well, I don't think they scan horses. We do. If if there are horses loose running around or anything's taken in on impound, then that, all the dogs, all the cats, everything gets scanned
0: for chips. So okay. good. Um, I'm, I'm glad of a couple yeah. things. Uh, you know, we haven't talked about this in a couple of years. And when we talked about it last, there were all of these different chips with different scanners. So I'm glad to see that that's been made uniform, number one. Um, and I'm glad to see they're a little smaller. I know we got the self doing it kit a couple of years ago. That's a big, big needle. <laughs> it's just, and it was like, uh, we're not doing this. We're having our vet do it. Thank you very much. Because Jennifer's given needles a thousand times. She's like, I'm not putting that in there. That's a vet job.
5: <laughs> so. It's giant. It's giant. <laughs> yeah. So, so the needle is still. <laughs> So the di- uh, let's see, the width of the chip, I'm sure, is probably, well, it may yet be smaller than it was years ago, but it's still daunting to some owners. So my owners, mm-hmm. have I'm um, happy, what will often happen is they'll buy it, they'll look at it, and they're like, oh, uh, I don't want to do this, you put it in. Yeah, exactly, so what happy. happened to you us? It them. <laughs> I have to just, yeah, yeah. But it, uh, surprisingly, the horses seem to react very it's so quick you just mm-hmm. pop that in and it's very quick the horses seem to react very sort of like hey what was that and then you're done and then they don't they're fine
0: well they're getting bit by big but bugs I, all the I, time I like so the new
5: those, yeah. yeah those mini chips are quite nice how small they are
2: and this is a great deal with uh the the aerc special right now 15 dollars
5: and what's that include, Yes, that's ba- because generally what you do yeah, go ahead Karen. What's that? Um it
2: incl- it says it includes a single chip with lifetime enrollment for oh, fifteen dollars. Well.
5: Yeah, and you can't buy we can't get those chips that really that cheap without buying tons of chips. So that's a, that's to get one at that price is wonderful. That's very generous of that.
0: Well, now I so so I'm still a little bit confused about about the this where you where you sign up. You said there's still a bunch of different places to sign up, and you know obviously you you want to be at the place where your horse goes missing and somebody scans it that they can actually find it. So I'm still a little confused about that. Can you go into that a little bit more?
5: I would pro I would start with the Equine Protection Registry that microchip uh yeah i think that's their actual company name microchip id or mini chip right microchip
2: id com.
5: yeah i would put that one i would put that one um go to that one first okay and then what i with my local people i tell them to contact their local so for example their county animal control and because, and then their local vets, yeah, that's it. So then you have like three sources. If you do that one, you have a national, do your county animal control people, then they may not be equipped yet to understand what you're telling them, but maybe they can just keep it on file. And then your veterinarian is going to keep, I have triple and double records of this kind of stuff everywhere, mm-hmm. both in a computer program and paper record. And and but the the main thing that will serve. Well, two things. It would be the national registry that might save you, so to speak, if your horse was ever stolen or uh, you were traveling and lost. And then for those of us that have floods, fires, that kind of thing, it would be your local people. And so that's why you would want to let your your county sort of group know that here's the chip number and my name and my number.
2: No. Will they let us order, um, as an AERC member, can we order more than one if we wanted to do um, more than one horse for the $15? I don't know. know? Okay, well, I I will find out. I don't know. (laughs) Because I'm going to call. I need to get my second horse did not uh, show a chip, so um, he may have never been done, so I'm going going to be doing him. And I have a ride-related question to this. If I brought the chip to a ride, um, because originally I had, uh, Dr. Barney Fleming inserted the chip in my horse. Right. Uh, right. could we, is this something that would be safe to do after we finished our ride and to have the, one of the vets pop this in for us?
5: Sure. Sure. Okay. Yep.
2: Yeah. Cause sure it would. didn't seem like that. It was that big of a deal in a, in a course. How much would you typically charge to insert a chip?
5: Um, I would rather not. I don't oh, charge okay. as much as I see some. Sometimes
2: oh, okay. I would rather not. Okay. I was okay. just it wondering should, for the average like that, listener, I mean, they for, would expect you know an yeah. average kind of. I don't
5: think you're going to find one yet. I think it's still sort of sorting itself okay. out. So there's going to be a lot of veterinarians like myself where an owner's going to say, "Hey, I got this chip and in, in this in the course of spring checkups and exams, mm-hmm. would okay. you put that in? Yeah, I'm going to just put that in. Sure. And I'm not going to charge them." Okay.
0: Anything. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I'm not sure Arch chart just either. It was just, you know, it was like, okay, took two seconds and it was done. And they're just happy we're doing it. They're, you're doing yeah. it in the first place.
6: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, right,
5: and then when I when I when I the ones that I carry on my truck, it's still not a very high fee. It's yeah. okay that I actually. That I give
0: the the way it used to work. Uh, the fee, the the higher fee was some of the registries would charge you twenty twenty five dollars a year uh, to to keep it in their registry. But I think that right is changing they did. too. Yeah, right. yeah. That's changing yes, too. I
5: believe so. Yeah.
0: Yep. All right, good. Well, that's good. Well, I'm glad that you were able to to clear this up a little bit and, and they never well, apparently, with Karen saying hers is 16 years old. So even like ours is a little bit older, I can still put it in in any of the registries. It doesn't matter what kind of chip it was. Correct. Okay. Correct. That's yep. important to note. And too. for
5: example, when we do FEI passport, right. FBI does not want us to, even though they are requiring the new chip for new horses if yeah. it's an old chip we have to put that on the passport not a new chip number. and that is so required for the
0: mor- all fei now right yes it is yeah yes. i thought so um good well thank you so much for that now you're also a rider uh, as i understand it right
5: yes i am
0: so what's what do you have coming up
5: um actually i'm leaving for australia to go ride in their national ride the to- Tom Quilty, and oh, is cool. Artevis, and then I'll be at our Tevis.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't talked about uh, Tom Quilty in a while. So are, who, who are you going to ride?
5: Um, I went over last summer. My daughter was selected to compete with the U.S. junior team. And, of course, that was great fun in Queensland. We met lots and lots of people. Uh, we flew to South Australia to visit with a friend and met the um, actual president of their ARC. So it's AE. R A, and uh, was offered a, a horse to ride. So oh that's, wow! Uh, her name is Mel Scott, and the horse is DBS, and That's what we're doing. We're doing sort of a rider exchange, which is a great way to share the sport. What kind of that's ride terrific. is that?
0: Uh, uh, what is what kind of ride is the Tom Quilty?
5: So the Quilty is slightly different than our Tevis. It rotates through their six state six of their states. It rotates every year, so every sixth year it returns to the same. Region and then it still is could be a different trail, but the same sort of it's a 160 kilometers as they call it, 100 miles for us. Multiple legs, extremely competitive, and is their national. This is their championship ride of the whole year. Um, And the same as us, they have to have qualifications to certain miles and qualifications to be entered. And this um, is their crown jewel and their sport over there. Very heavily regulated, like ours. Um, but very competitive. And the strangest thing is they start at midnight and they ride in the dark for the first four <laughs> or five hours.
2: And, and last year Six I saw hours, they started uh, in the mud because it had been raining at last year's cruelty. Yes, uh, yeah. Well, then, so
5: they ride in the winter. Yeah. Their season is sort of fall winter. Not, uh, uh, you know, they're, we're the only
2: crazy ones that put it in the middle of summer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that's very cool, Karen. You're gonna have to do that one someday. Put that on your bucket I list. I know.
2: I it is. It's on the list. <laughs> well, yeah, we wish you every,
5: every one of our bucket lists.
2: Thank yes. You. Well, we wish you the best of luck. I can't wait to hear how how the ride goes for you this year, and good luck at Tevis too, uh, whatever the trail may be.
4: <laughs> that's right.
2: <laughs> uh, gosh, and thank you again for coming on and telling us about the microchips. This is a really great program. All right. Thank have you. a good, have a good day. Bye.
0: All right. Uh, Bye. We uh, uh it, w- that address again was if you want to register one that you already have or find out more, just go to microchipidequine.com. dot com. Jennifer will put a link to that in our show notes as well. And use the use the coupon code AERC. Oh, AERC is the coupon code. Yes, Jennifer, we need to do that because you have we have one horse that is not chipped yet. Your new horse, as far as we know. <laughs> I don't
2: know. If right. Is. Well, yes, you yeah, want have, make- to
0: have him He might have one for. He a while. might have one.
2: Right. Don't know. right. And and I did what she said. I googled, the, you know, registering your you know your uh, pet microchip. And there's plenty of sites that let you register it for free. And I went in and I made sure all of my dogs were in there. My horse. I still have to do my second horse. But yes, go. That's the most important thing to take out of this today is that you need to go register your microchips. Like my friend that works for animal control that scanned my horse said, they get animals in all the time that aren't registered. They're chipped, but they're not registered. And so it doesn't do you any good to do the microchip if you're not going to go register it so that if it ever comes down to it your pet can be found and returned to you um uh,
0: that might be my wife you're talking about me, a little guilty of that uh just saying oh Maybe. it's her fault might be a little guilty of that she took the papers and said i'm gonna do this after god and then now the see the thing is now she has to find the papers so that's gonna be the next step
2: the other way to cheat is like i did is get your get your you know, horse or dog scanned. And then I just took a picture of the ID number on the there scanner. There you
0: go. That's the other way to do it. <laughs>
2: and and that's how I did it because I couldn't find my paperwork either, <laughs> you know. And, and another thing that I do every time I take one of my dogs in to get a vaccination or checkup or whatever, I ask the vet to scan their... Um, scan him for me to check to make sure the microchips are still working. Because until I just had Chief scanned, I didn't know that his microchip was going to last all these years and that it was still viable, and it was. And so that was kind of a cool thing to know. And for $15, you can't beat that. That's a really great deal.
0: It is a really good deal. Well, find out uh, more about that, microchipidequine.com, and put it, use the coupon code AERC. We'll be ordering one of those today and also uh we you know one of these rides wouldn't happen and especially in your case you wouldn't even be thinking about going on the tevis without your hoop boots
2: that's right i i just got a new box of renegade oh, yesterday is it I'm like so christmas excited. when that happens <laughs> it is it's i'm so excited I opened up a box, brand new boots and oh gosh i'm so excited so yes later on today uh, because i've got a ride coming up this next weekend i need to go out and get my new boots adjusted and and fit uh one of the suggestions i have for those getting new new renegades is to go put them on your horse adjust them before you ride in them because once they get dirty and full of you know dirt and grit then it makes it a little bit more difficult for adjusting cables and stuff uh the last 50 i did which was a pretty tough uh, rocky ride. Both horses use the Renegades. They were absolutely perfect all day. And so they're a boot that I highly recommend. I've ridden thousands and thousands of miles in them on both of my horses. They've done really, really super well in them. They've done every ride from multi-days cross-country rides to Tevis in the strap-on boots. They've also got a glue-on model they're made in the United States. They come in several different colors to match your tack. And you can find them at renegadehoofboots.com.
0: I'm always amazed at how much traction they have. Because you look at them and you think, well, you know, yeah, they have they have uh, sneaker traction on the bottom. But in the wet and stuff, you'd think they would be slippery, but they're not.
2: You know, a lot of that is going to depend on your horse. Once, you know, if you've got a real experienced horses like mine, they know how to move and adjust. You you know, you don't come screaming downhill into wet grass and expect not to slide. Yeah, any horse is going to slide. That's why the eventers use
0: great big studs in that case. Exactly.
2: And the same thing for mud. You know, if a horse hasn't gone through mud and learned how to slip and slide and maneuver, they're still going to slip. It doesn't really matter what hoof protection they're wearing. But once they get more familiar and accustomed to going through all the different kinds of terrain, they tend to learn how to maneuver and go through. You know, I, I haven't had... My horses slip and fall with me with with the renegades on. I mean, they they go over Cougar Rock. I would not want to wear metal shoes going over some of the terrain that's on Tevis, and so I always feel a lot more comfortable, especially on pavement, with with the tread and the traction I get from the renegades.
0: Do you do you the, do they have a studded version?
2: Yes, you can get do them. Do you ever
0: use the studs? I don't.
2: I tend to avoid riding in ice, or if I can, I go around it or go a different way, but I try to avoid the ice just altogether. I mean, ice is going to be slippery with a horse anyway. So, um, but in other regions, I know some people have no choice. And so they can add, you know, order the boots with the studs on them or not, so.
0: Well, speaking of ice and snow and things you don't want to encounter when you're on a, a long a long ride, we're going to be talking and catching up with Phyllis Keller after our song, who is the Pacific Crest Trail rider that gave has been giving us updates. We're going to find out what has happened there. It's been quite a year on the Pacific Crest Trail for hikers and riders, um, mm-hmm. especially riders, I think. So we're going to get all caught up on that. But first, little Marion Kennedy was Born to ride. We'll be right back after this. By the way, renegadehoofboots.com
1: First word that I ever said, visions of galloping in my head, manes flowing, tails held high. I knew that I was born to ride, I was born to ride like a bird. The air I breathe The way they move is poetry Oh, never outgroom and I never will On the day I die I'll be loving them still Cause I was born to write
0: Music at Mary Ann You're listening to Horses in the Morning. I'm Glenn Geek here with Karen Chatton on Endurance Day. And there's a new section on the Horse Radio Network website. I wanted to mention to everybody if you really like Karen and, and hearing about the Endurance Day stuff, then just go to Horse Radio Network.com. And in the middle of the page, you're going to see all of the monthly special... At, I'm sorry, this is at Horses in the Morning.com. We redesigned the Horse in the Morning site. Sorry about that one go to horsesinthemorning.com <laughs> and in the middle of the page you're going to see where we put the monthly episodes and you're going to see Karen listed in there and endurance you're going to see endurance day click on that and it's going to bring you to a list of all of the past episodes where you can go in and listen to everyone that she's done so uh, check that out it's just an easier way to find all of uh, all of the endurance past episodes so that's new over on the horses in the morning site wanted to mention that. Uh, also, uh, we we will be back here tomorrow. A little bit about the schedule this week. Tomorrow, we're going to be here. Dr. Wendy Ying is filling in for Jamie because she is in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, and has no reception, as you heard yesterday on the show. So Dr. Wendy's going to fill in. Then Thursday, we have the trail episode for you. And then Friday, uh, we're going to be coming to you live from the American Horse Publications Conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. Jamie and I I'll be together in a room for a change and but where the time has changed it's going to be 1:30 in the afternoon Eastern time part of the reason is it's three hours difference there and I was not going to get any guests at six in the morning at the journalist conference after they've been in drinking the night before so uh, we figured that we'd have a less hungover group who could actually speak articulately if we just moved the show back in time Um and anybody that's ever been to a conference knows what I'm talking about. Nobody gets up at 6 a.m. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what, what's yep. coming up on the show this week and then back to normal on Monday. But we're really excited, actually, to be going to the American Horse Publication Conference. And did you know that uh, Horses in the Morning is up for an award? Cool. Yeah, we're up for the Best Podcast in the Horse World Award uh, for one of our episodes we did with Leslie Wiley last year. And then also, the two finalists are both Horse Radio Network shows. Debbie Lauks and the Horsemanship uh, Radio Show is also um, nominated. And we there were 10... I found out there were ten other shows that put in entries, and the only two finalists were Debbie's horsemanship show and us. So, two horse radio network shows. are very proud of that. And this will be that's great. This will be the congratulations. First time, yeah, it's the first time that we're actually doing that award uh, at at the at the AHP conference. So that that'll be fun. Yes. And uh, what else do we got here? Well, Jennifer's trying to get our guest on the line now, and I think we had a little uh trouble with them the last time, too. They're in California, right?
2: Right. Actually, I believe Phyllis is in California, and her husband is well, he's in California too, but just up north.
0: and and uh and we really are getting them up early. so <laughs> So, um, so it, hopefully we'll get them on to get an update on the on the situation on the Pacific Crest Trail.
2: Right, right. Yes, she had quite an experience. Her horse slipped and fell on a narrow section and fell over off of the trail. Oh, and wow. they, they've had quite a few other things, as did the other rider that was riding named Gary. And I believe pretty much all of the horse people have gone home this year because they've all reached sections of the trail that were basically impassable for for horses and unsafe because there was so much deadfall. It was taking them hours to go just a small section.
0: And, and they kept, and so, I, I, I've been following a couple of the hikers that are hiking the trail, and I think she's up to like mile 700 now, and they did keep hitting ice and snow too, little patches of it, but enough that uh-huh. it'd be tough for a horse to cross, you know, and it might have only right. been for a mile or two, but they actually had their clamp-ons on, you know, for for a, a little bit of a section of that, um, and, you know, you gotta, but that's a... That's a tough thing for a horse because you, unless you're bringing studs along, you know, or your boots have studs, what are you going to do? Yeah.
2: Well, even still, it's still a little hairy there, out Yeah, there, you're you on know? the side of
0: a freaking mountain.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, we, I understand we have Phyllis on the line, so uh, oh, not welcome.
0: Not quite yet. She's, uh. Oh, not quite yet. Yeah, she's still, uh, getting Almost set up. Almost there. Yep.
2: Oh, good. Okay, good, good. So good. We'll be able to hear her story and how how things went and uh, uh, what her plans are for going back and finishing. Because I know she did manage to ride over 500 miles of the
0: trail. Wow.
2: Which was pretty good. At the rate she was going, I mean, she would have made it on time but um
0: and we the did have proof her. that she was on the trail because the girl i follow uh who is called dixie she's out of uh arkansas she, she's on the second leg of the of the trifecta of hiking and she did the appalachian trail last year and then uh she did see she actually saw in one of the videos she said oh there's a horseback rider down there and and Sure enough, when when we took a look at it, it was Phyllis.
2: Because so. you saw the renegades on the horse. Yes, we and did. So we y- saw y- the renegades knew. on the horse and we knew <laughs> it was Phyllis.
0: That's right. So we did witness that she's not making this all up, right, Phyllis? <laughs> <Are> you... Right. <laughs> are, well, Phyllis, Phyllis, are you, us? Tell us, are you there?
2: Yeah. Oh good. Well yes, thank you for Thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to getting an update on how everything's going. So tell us a little bit about your adventure.
6: Uh, well, <laughs> um, right now, right now, I'm, I'm not on trail. I think, you know, Karen knows that. I think um, the adventure was wonderful and incredible. And, um, you know, every morning I, I wake up going, I should be on trail. But um, Georgie had a little bit of a fall, and so I had to take him off trail, and I brought him home, and, and uh, he's, he's probably 100% ready to go back. So I just need some time to figure out where that's going to be because of the snow. And uh, it will probably be northern California or even into Oregon. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping it'll either be, um, you know, probably won't be this month, but maybe next month. And, and if not, for sure, back in August to try to get Oregon and maybe Washington done. Um,
0: I know some of the hikers needed- are skipping the ice and snow, and they, they're heading up to the north and then hiking back. So they're going to be backtracking, hoping it's gone by the time they get back down. Is that something you consider doing?
6: That Well, for me, that's what I had to consider doing because, you know, with the amount of snow that the Sierra has, there's no way a horse can go through there. So a lot of hikers actually have flip-flopped the Sierra, and yeah. actually some of them now are actually flip-flopping in Oregon, and they're on the Oregon Coast Trail until um, snow melts. So, but they are—they are, they are um, one particular person I met maybe about in the second week of, of my ride um, has decided to um, you know go north and then do a southbound um, hike on the Sierra instead of a northbound. So, yeah. um, a lot of them are doing it. Um, wow. Some of them are not. Some of them are are taking it on, and and I admire that. But I I can't imagine, um, you know, the difficulty of that. So
0: yeah, we're um, not talking a little snow, are we, Phyllis? Yeah.
6: <laughs> we're not talking a little snow. I I've lived in Truckee for 21 years, and when I went home, I did the 395 corridor, and I couldn't believe the amount of snow that's on the Eastern Sierra. Um, you went by Whitney, and it, it's just solid white. And uh, I came home, I think, on the about around the maybe about the twenty or 23rd of May. So, and and it was still solid. And then yesterday, um, where I am right now, I'm down in a Tascadero. But yesterday morning, I had an inch and a half of brand new snow in Truckee. <laughs> <laughs> so and that was the 12th of June. Yeah. So,
0: wow!
2: Um,
6: yeah, they they have they have quite the quite the. Um, well, you know anybody that's on the trail, been trying to do the trail this year, because of Mother Nature, has has got um, a pretty good challenge going on.
0: Tell us about tell us about so, you your know, fall. Was... What happened there?
6: Um. Well, you know, I there's there's times when when I was meeting my husband, I had to take um, uh, side trails down, you know, or connector trails, and I took the Marion Trail down, uh, which is out of up um, or out of Idlewild. And uh, the Forest Service had told us that that was their steepest trail, and it was like 20% slope.
2: So oh, I, boy. I made it
6: down. Yeah, I made it down, having to cut through trees and go over boulders that I went, you know, coming up is going to be easier, you know, in the morning. So in the morning, I headed up the trail, and I went through difficult places that um, were really challenging coming down. And so I made it through those, and I thought, okay, good, Georgie. It's it's good. we're We're clear. And, um, there was one more place that was, uh, probably about a two and a half foot step up and it was upslope and a big rock on the left and a tree on the right. And so I was leading and I stepped up on it and I walked, I took about two steps and Georgie came up after me. And I think, I think because he was so close to me that when his back feet got up on this root, that i think his feet slipped off and um he lost his balance and because of the slope he went over backwards because he was already high in the front and he ended up on his back and um then he went to try to get up and he rolled and because the slope was was so um steep and he was across across the trail he rolled one more time oh. so you know he he got up but he he hit his head and he actually um put a chip on the way home. We stopped at my vet and he he got x-rayed and he had a chip on, I think it's the Atlas bone, Karen. I don't know. It's like mm. the little wings of our, of our vertebrae. So he had a bone chip behind his left ear and, um, you know, until that, until that was good. And I knew it wasn't going to be a problem. You know, I've had to keep him at home, but besides that, um, gosh, the resiliency of horses. I mean, he didn't have anything else wrong with him, but, I did have to take him, there was, it was, I was about a mile from the top to get back up to the PCT and, and I didn't really have the opportunity or, um, you know, say to take him back down that slope because I'd been down it the day before and back up and I, and so I had to go, I took him in, I actually led him 11 miles that day, um, up over, um, Mount San Jacinto and down Fuller Ridge and then down to the highway, and I, I just chose to take him. You know, he was walking really slow, and I thought, well, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know really exactly what's going on. So I, I didn't ride him. I walked him, and um, we made it down to the highway because I could have I could have gone ahead and gone where I had planned to go that day, but it was another 16 miles down switchbacks and and kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I just thought, you know, if if he's hurt, I can't have him go down or have something else terrible happen out in the middle of nowhere. So I kept him on Jeep road and I took him down to the highway and, um, we got him back home and got him through, um, my vet, uh, which is near Carson city and, um, had him x-rayed and he was fine. He just got put on drugs for a week. And, um, but you know, he's back now to rolling over. He's back to romping and running
2: in the pasture
6: and, um, you know, pretty happy. Yeah. It was scary, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, kind of horrifying. It was,
2: um, well, you sure know, you're out there by yourself. There's nobody there to help you with, if, if you need any help.
6: Right. I, you know, I was fortunate enough to have, there was three day hikers that were going up, up the trip, the same trail. And, um, the, the youngest of them, you know, actually was there when it happened and saw it and, okay. and was pretty terrified. Yeah, so at least at least they were hiking, you know, behind me just in case, you know, things were fine, but we we departed our ways, you know, at, at the PCP and um, you know, I went left and I'm not sure where they went cuz I I beat them up to the top, but, but-
3: that's a good
0: question. So when, yeah. you were, when you were out this year, I know the Appalachian Trail, actually, they say it's, you know, it can get pretty crowded, actually, in some spots between the through hikers and the day hikers. How about the PCT? Were there days where you wouldn't see anybody or were you seeing people every day?
6: You know, there were, there were a few days that I didn't see anybody. There were a few days that I would see, uh, I got a plane going over. Um, there were a few days that, that I'd see maybe one or two hikers, but there were certainly days but I saw no one and I, my longest day on the trail was 37 miles. And, um, I don't remember seeing anyone that day. Wow. So, um, yeah, sometimes you're kind of in what they call a little bubble. You know, there, there'll be a lot of hikers that are, you know, within, you know, miles of each other. And then there's sometimes you don't see anybody. So, you know, I, I've sat here and I've, I've had time to go like, you know, should I be back? Should I, should I not? And you know what the challenges were, and And I just it's hard to explain I think the p c p and maybe even even um any any of the trails, even the appalachian trail i've you know heard is, is even actually terrain is is rougher as far as um rocks, and there's a lot of up and a lot of down and um
0: I, yeah, they all talk about really Pennsylvania weird. as being a nightmare, just solid rock it's <laughs> just like. <laughs> Uh, right. Yeah.
6: and Yeah. And that's what they say. And I mean, I think unless most people have actually experienced it. They they don't really know. So it's hard to explain, but it's like everything that I know that we did and everything that little horse accomplished, I, you know, I'm kind of in awe of him and he's become just, just priceless to me. He, he went places where I probably shouldn't have asked him to go, to go, but you have to. And, um, I, I just admire the heck out of him. he, he uh there were times i know that he was going you know mom i think you're crazy <laughs> <laughs> And i'm going we don't really have a choice here you know
2: but oh, I, um, I i know you had one day where your pack shifted tell us about that day
6: oh tell my greatest stories karen <laughs> 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 I, you know, the, the the biggest challenge I had was, was trees and it was pretty demoralizing and it was hard because you either had to go up around them, down below them, over them, cut through them, you know, and, and sometimes it, the longest time that, that stopped me was 45 minutes because I was trying to figure out how to get around this jumble of trees. But so I had a day like that before my pack slipped, well, my entire saddle slipped and, um, I had 14 miles in a, a section that's called um, Deep Creek, and I didn't really cinch my saddle down real tight because I said, you know, I can I can hike this 14 miles. I I don't need to meet trees and on a high narrow, uh, you know, big drop off type trail because I thought, you know, if I do, how can I turn them around? So I'm going along, and Georgie tried to kind of shoot past me as most of you, you know, anybody know leading a horse tries to do. And he did it a couple times and I turned around to look to make sure he hadn't lost a renegade or if it wasn't up around his leg. And he kept looking, kept looking back at his side, like, you know, and I, and it dawned on me and I looked and my saddle was totally off his back and totally on his side. And the only thing I think keeping it from going underneath his belly was his, um, breast collar, because it had slipped so far that his, his crepper had come off his tail.
1: So I'm standing
6: on a ledge, you know, yeah, basically. And thankfully Georgie had the wherewithal to go, okay, I'm in trouble. Just help me. So I stepped around the side on the downhill side and tried to hold on to him and tried to push my saddle up and I was carrying two gallons of water and I went, okay, this is not working. So I started unloading my pack of water and I caught a glimpse out of the corner of my eye and it was a hiker team along, and, um, he had an umbrella, which a lot of them do, and I kept saying, can you help me? I really need your help. And he said, what can I do? And so I said, first off, you need to put your umbrella down. But I got him finally to come around the side, and he was on the uphill side, and I was still on the downhill side. And I said, okay, on three, I said, just grab anything you can and try to pull this back up. So about the fourth try, we were able to get that, my saddle and everything, back up on his back. And um you know we ended up hiking down to a corner and i was able to sit down and catch my breath and kind of go through it all and um you know i met just an amazing hiker his name is Taco Cat and uh, <laughs> he i believe is still on trail somewhere but he's from queens queens new york so you know give a shout out to him but um yeah that was that was uh he says you know i thought it was a really weird place to be getting a drink <laughs> so i'm going <laughs> yeah no, but I said you don't you don't realize I mean he was a true trail angel, you know the uh, hiker changed to a trail angel that day, and um you know i mean it was it was not a good place for something like that to happen, but um, you know we made it we made it through that, and we made it through so much more and um yeah, you know the experience has just been uh amazing and it, it just makes me admire the hikers, it admires Jillian Larson that's done this twice. Um, and, uh, you know, she's on did a the horse. trail mm-hmm. and on a horse, on the same horse. And, um, but you know, she, she told me in an email, she said, you know, Phyllis, I probably will never do it again. She said, it, it's, it's a hard trail. She says, you know, a lot of it just has to do with how things are that year. But she said, you know, sometimes you can push your luck too far and she says i don't i don't think i'll ever do it again she says um you know taking two completions on on that trail um and making it actually in the same year is um something so I, I know that you know i i won't be able to just because of it being a record snow year um i won't be able to do it all i think this year i think i'm going to do as much as i can to knock it out and um you know and and maybe go back and and finish what i can't get to next year but um pretty proud of what i've done so far
2: how many miles have you um, have you done so far
6: i think i was right at six or just barely just barely under. wow that's pretty good
0: so you were out of the out of of the main part of the desert at that point
6: yeah hallelujah (laughs) yeah i when I got stopped, there's another there's another rider on the trail, um Gary Pegg, and um we actually met up at Walker Pass, and he's riding gated horses, and so he travels he really moves out kind a lot faster than than I did and what I wanted to do, but we met up at the same place where we couldn't get through these trees and you know and i I had to tell him I said, don't take this personally, but I said I really need to go up and look for myself <laughs> and um so I did and I mean, there was just no way, because if I went down and around it, the other side of the trees was nothing but rocks and boulders, and you can't take a horse through that, so and I couldn't go up and around it either, so I unfortunately had to turn around about 11 miles short of um, Chimney Creek Road, which is then like 20, about 25 miles short of Kennedy Meadows, so I would have liked to have made it to Kennedy Meadows, but the trees trees that were down uh, was a section that had burned, and... um, the forest service, you know, God bless them all, um, was, we're out, we're out cutting and clearing trail, but we would just made it to a section they hadn't gotten to yet. And, um, we, it was three thirty in the afternoon and we still had 11 miles to do and with no idea of what else there was going to be. So, you know, I ended up having to turn around and coming out, but, um, so there was, there was about 11 mile section there that I didn't get. And then the 25 to Kennedy Meadows and, and then, um, the section from Cajon pass over Mount Baden-Powell, which, you know, still had snow. I, I didn't get to get to that one either because Georgie had his, his fall. So there's just a tiny section in Southern California, but you know, I got to meet 10 nice snakes and, um, you know, a couple of them (laughs) are actually not very nice, but, um, um, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So met that, but you know, I met a hiker family that, you know, um, Gosh, you know, I, I'm hoping I will have them as friends, you know, the the rest of my life. They're just extremely wonderful people, and um, well, you know, I got to ask I you think, about that. I think the neatest thing that I
0: yeah, I wanted to ask yeah. you about that because you know, one of the things that all of the hikers talk about on the podcast that I listen to is is the family. They call them the the family, the the trail family. And they all develop right. those uh, those bonds and and that seem to last forever because you're out there sharing everything while you're on the trail do you but the, but a lot of that happens in the shelters they all sleep in every night, but you're not <laughs> sleeping in a shelter so you do, you do you still feel that you had a bond with some of the hikers and people out in the trail?
6: You know I did because a lot of them a lot of them we met early on because, like I said, there's kind of a little bubble, everybody starts at the same time and um we we met them at uh, just about every place that I was able to meet Bryce. The same same hikers would come through, and so we got to know them. We got to you know make them dinner, um, you know share that kind of stuff. I don't know how many beers we passed out at places, um, you know. And and it you know and it just turns out that a couple people that I met you know like Taco Cat I met quite a few times after I you know our initial at at Deep Creek. But you do every single hiker that I met. Um, whether they were alone or if they were hiking with someone else were just so genuinely sincere and so nice and so giving and, and willing to help and, and share information because those that, you know, have done a section of trail, they, they do share with the others so they know what they're coming into. And, um, you know, the day that we got turned around with the trees, uh, you know, Bryce had been, been told by hikers at Chimney Creek that there's no way horses are coming across that trail today. And so um, you know, I don't think Gary and I didn't have that information until, you know, we found out that it was true. You found
2: but, out yourself. Uh, it,
6: they're, they're yeah, or me. And, and, um, but you know, we met, we met, uh, two hikers that, that's name their names, their trail names are, um, um, pine cone and pineapple. And we <laughs> are still in contact today um you know like i said they're on the oregon coast but they they picked up another hiker with them and flip-flopped this sierra and they ended up at donner pass which is just above my house in trekkie and they called and they said we're going to be there on thursday and so we met them on thursday in Truckee. we all went to dinner and then they stayed at our house so they they got a good night's sleep and a nice bed you got to be a
0: trail morning, angel <laughs>
6: I got to be a trail angel and made them, made them breakfast, and it's like, I don't I don't cook for, like, groups of people, <laughs> but I'm telling you what, I, pancakes, everything, and the sausage and the bacon and everything came out ready oh, at the same good. time, and then I took, them up, I took them up to Donner Pass, and I put them back on the trail at Boreal Ridge, and uh, they put on their snowshoes and headed to Sierra City, so took them two and a half days to hike over from Donner Pass at Interstate 80 over to um, wow. Sierra City. And now they're on the Oregon coast waiting for Oregon to melt. So she sent me a beautiful picture yesterday of their tent set right on the the cliff at the beach. So I'm going <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's do that, you know. Okay, so, just yeah, they're just they are an amazing group. So,
2: let's let's hear a shout yeah, out for your for for your husband, Bryce.
6: Oh, you know, <laughs> I'm down with my daughter, and I told him I told her last night. I said, you know, I. Out of what out of the what would the both of us did i mean I, I know that you know what I did was difficult and challenging and was hard, but Bryce drug our trailer all over Southern California, and there were days that you know one day I think he had to drive eight hours to get around to where I was coming into later um and he had he had he had the extra horse because I had two horses with me, and um uh he had to set up for the horses. He had to do the high lining. He had food ready for the horses. He had food ready for me. He, you know, he made sure I did this and I did that. And he, he developed a little checklist that it was like, okay, is your, you know, GPS on, is it paired with your phone? Is it, this, is it that? Do you have your socks? You know? So he went through that before I even put a foot in the, in the stirrup every single day. And, you know, if anybody had the hardest job that he was amazing at and, you know, logistically um, mapping everything, you know, it, it was Bryce. And um, and Karen, you know, you've known us for a long time, and it's he's done that for my endurance ride. Mm-hmm. He's done that, you know, for, for this. And um, he actually traveled way more many miles than I did, and, uh, you know, driving around. He found incredible places for us to stay. Most of them were right on the trail, but... He had the highline, and he highlined from bushes, or he highlined from trees, from telephone poles, um, you name it. Um, he had to go to feed stores. Um He had two dogs with him on top of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, wow.
6: Yeah. He, and, he, he and get
2: there,
6: water. You know, yes. Oh yeah, water. Yeah. Um, you know, thanks to all the fire stations and stuff that let him pull in and you know fill up with water. Uh yeah, he had to have the water going and uh he almost got the trailer stuck in the mud one time and uh you know, we had about 6 or 7 Jeepers that came along and said, "Hey, we'll wait till you get through it." Um people are just amazing out there, you know, and I think that that was one of the biggest things I was kind of disillusioned with with how people treat each other, how people talk or don't talk to each other anymore. And I found that that's not necessarily true. You know, there's there's nice people out there that that really care and are interested in you and, and want to talk. And um, But we've met people from all over the United States now, and, uh, you know, some of them are on trail and some of them have left the trail for all kinds of various reasons. But, um, you know, I, I, I never saw Trent. He's the one that has three Mustangs. I never saw him, but I did meet Gary and his wife and, and nice people. And but, but he also left the trail that day and went back to Washington and um, I think is going back on trail soon um, in Northern, the Northern part. So, um, I don't know. I think, I think maybe that's one of the biggest things I come back from is, you know, the love for my horse, the respect for my horse and, and the people that I met, um, you know, are just, it's just nice to know that there's nice, nice people out there, fun people.
2: Exactly. So, exactly. I, do,
6: I, feel, yeah, well, I, I feel I should be back out there though,
2: you know? Well, well, I'm sure you will be, and I'm looking forward to hearing more updates from you when you do get back on the trail. And I'm so glad Georgie is going to be okay.
6: Oh, me too. That, you know, that was my number one concern. I was, you know, and, and for a while I was going like, you know, have I had enough adventure? Maybe, maybe I have. I, yes. I, the, the worst thing that happened happened, and it was, uh, well, it actually wasn't the worst thing. He, he could have fallen off a lot worse. Sure. trail. He didn't, he didn't. Off the PCT, which which I'm proud of, he he went off a connector trail that was really worse than anything I saw on the PCT Uh miles that I did. It it was it was way more than challenging and difficult, you know, and and it turned out to be a dangerous situation. And um, but you got
2: through it, which is all that counts, right? Yeah,
6: we got through it. We got through it, and I saw some incredibly beautiful country in this, you know, or trail in this country, and. You know, I got a, I got a message from the PCTA about the fact that, you know, they're, they're trying to take away, um, you know, some of our, some, some of our, our, uh, they're not really parks yet, I forget what they're called, but um, the PCT goes through them and we could, we could lose sections of trail because of that, so, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen, but I, you know, I saw everything. I got asked yesterday that, you know, it was what was a train like, what was this, at the other? And I said, Well, you know, I was in the desert and I expected nothing but sand and snakes and this, that, that and the other <laughs> and I saw everything from from sand and snakes to to in the middle of the desert what looked like Lake Tahoe. I mean, you know, as far as, as far as the trees and things, you know, um Mount Laguna area, you, you ride into this big huge forest and you go, I'm in the desert? This is not right, you know, I'm in dream.
5: <laughs> right. Uh,
6: yeah it, it was beautiful, so I mean I saw everything from that to you know huge boulders to just oak forests on top of that and and grass where the horse could graze and um so it was it was it was uh it was interesting in that in that respect it, yes. it um kind of opened my eyes to that you know things are not as as you may think that they are right so um
2: right. Sometimes it's hard, like you said, it's hard to explain unless you're actually out there experiencing it. And so we really appreciate you coming on and telling us about it. And we will stay in touch because I want to hear more about what your future plans hold. Thank you, Phyllis. Yeah, I think
6: Phyllis. Yeah. Well, you're welcome, and I, you know, I'm glad that you know we got to share that with people that are out there because I, I, they, they really would like to see more horses on the trail, and it's like you don't have to do a border to border; you can certainly go and do any section of it, you know, anytime. So, um, yeah, it's, it's
0: except nice for the Sierras, right now. Except for the Sierras, let's not do that right now.
6: Yeah, horses, horses can't do snowshoes, so you know, yeah, I would leave the Sierra alone, actually, right now. So,
0: uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks, yeah, Phyllis. Keep in touch.
6: You bet. You guys, you guys have a great day.
0: All right. Thanks.
2: thanks, Phyllis. You too. Bye.
0: Well, there she is. Uh So I think she's going to get back out there. You know, it must be hard when you get off the trail too, for a period of time and end up going home to actually you know, get back on.
2: It is. It's hard to readjust back to real life. Once you've done a trip and equestrian journey of any type, I think they all, say that i mean i've said that myself it's you know, hard
0: 20 percent grade doesn't sound like much but if you remember going down mountains and they say oh you're going down an eight percent grade and that seems like you're going straight down a 20 percent grade is like going straight down
2: <laughs> that's a pretty gnar- pretty gnarly especially on a horse that you know if you're out there for hours and hours and hours, you're asking a lot out of a horse to be going up I bet and down. She had a train wished she like camped
0: that. on the trail that night and skipped that little uh section. <laughs> she probably, probably. yeah, <laughs> probably wow. she's a lot braver than I'd ever be. So, <laughs> you know, being out there by yourself and, and 37 mile day and not seeing another soul,
1: yes, uh, yeah,
0: wow. I mean, some people wow. would live for that. I'd be like, I'd be going out of my mind. I can't, I don't like talking to myself that long. So. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do these shows and pretty much feel like sometimes I am talking to myself for that long. So, like all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Karen, thank you so much. What's uh, where can people go to find rides in their area if they're interested in getting started?
2: Uh, go to aerc.org.
0: And you know, we had the lady on yesterday, she's 59 years old, going on the Mongol Derby, the hardest, would you agree, the most difficult long distance ride in the world, race, actually. <laughs> and you know, she only started what she say endurance riding when she was uh, in her forties or fifties. She she uh-huh. went on the ARC uh, website. She found a mentor, which is what you always have recommended. Found a mentor mm-hmm. through the website, and it ended up being this Got lady. Started. and Now they're riding good. together in the Muggle Derby. So, wow. Uh, yeah. So that's and that. you
2: and you said she one of them rode in the Old Dominion last yes. weekend. Yep, that's right. Wow. Wow. Yep. Well, they're good for her. And,
0: you know, trying to get in the best shape of their life, because that's what they're all talking about is they, you know, <laughs> Derby, you better be in the best shape of your life, you know. Uh, exactly. A lot of CrossFit, lot of, which I'm sure you do every uh-huh. day at the gym, Karen.
2: <laughs> in the barn, <laughs> with the hay <laughs> and the feed and, yeah, there's the horse manure. There's always chores. Which,
0: <laughs> well, thank you, yeah. everybody, for joining us. Karen can be found at what's your website? my website's
2: karenchatten.com.
0: Don't remember or don't forget at horsesinthemorning.com. You can go down in the middle of the page and you'll see all the monthly episodes of Horses in the Morning. Click on endurance and i will bring you to a list of all of the past episodes. There's probably 50 of them on there now. So you can go check them out. All the information is still relevant. We'll see you in July, Karen. Okay. Thank you. Happy trails. Good day everybody. Be safe.